Welcome to Base, a podcast about weird stuff. I'm Peter C. Hine, and joining me as always is my oldest friend, co-host, at least that's who he says he is. I've never actually seen his birth certificate. I haven't verified his identity. I can't prove that he is the man he claims to be. I'm not able to vouch for his motives. We're not in the same room. He hasn't even said the Vase secret password, and I'm confused. It's the individual conveniently claiming to be Mr. Stephen James Buckley. Wow, another amazing intro there from Mr. Hine. Right. If any of you ever were unlucky enough to meet me in real life, you'd be really disappointed that I wasn't the person that he makes out I am. What did you think of that? I tried to put some extra drama into that one. I've, I've tried the approach of the Lovecraftian purple prose. Yeah. This was more of a, a sort of, uh, you know, like a conspiracy theory sort of run it, to, you know, it was quite, paranoia. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was quite sort of frenzied and yeah, it was yeah. it was good. It was good. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a best of. Like mm-hmm. at the end, you could of, do, you could grade me on them as well. That would be, yeah, I could hold out, hold up some little. That wouldn't really be good for a podcast with it though. If I held up little cards, no, um, like you'd we'll have to read out. It. Yeah, we'll work it out. So anyway, let's get down to business. Um, so, in the weird worlds of ufology, conspiracy, and high strangeness, there's a lot of bullshit. Okay, uh, I mean, we love it. We we really genuinely do. Uh, we love all of that stuff, but the signal-to-noise ratio, if we're perfectly honest, isn't great. Luckily, there's someone who has made it her personal mission to cut through this bullshit like a hot knife through a rubber alien costume. And her investigations demonstrate that the hoaxes are often just as interesting and as downright weird as whatever it is they claim to be. So tonight, we'd like to welcome documentary filmmaker and the thorn in Louis Elizondo's side, Emily <laughs> Louise. <laughs> Oh Hi, my Emily. God. Hi. Welcome, Emily. Hello. <laughs> Hi, what an introduction. <laughs> Thank you. He, he, he blocked me anyway. I so know. Everyone blocks you on Twitter, don't they? We've not blocked you. No, no, you haven't. Not yet. Yes. We just yeah. we just found out that someone else had, uh, had blocked me on Twitter as well that we were talking about b- mm. before we started recording. We did. <laughs> I'd urge nemesis. our listeners. I'd urge our listeners to follow Emily on um, Twitter because it is really, really entertaining. <laughs> It I do is. try. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do you do Twitter very well. I think it's like um people sort of I don't know, people have sort of certain expectations, don't they? And then like you you just smash it. It's great. It's great. It's very <laughs> I just like being rude to people, you know. That's what I was trying to say, but in a more polite way. I'm uh, kidding. I'm I'm never rude. I'm never rude to people. I feel like I've been very polite to certain people, but if certain people, if you ask them certain questions, um they will just not, they will take it as rudeness off the bat, you know, if you start being sceptical. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I guess it's pe- People get defensive it? quickly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but as well as being an excellent follower on Twitter, you're also a, a, uh, a freelance docu- documentary filmmaker. You've written short horror films, uh, but it was your YouTube channel, Weird Reads with Emily Louise, which really got me familiar with your work. Um, and your videos take a very sceptical look at conspiracies, hoaxes, urban legends, and other bizarre cultural phenomenon. It's like a very, very different take to vase um you're much more rational and skeptical than than we are um and i mean we're not particularly good skeptics i don't think but your channel is still i think my favorite youtube channel bar none and i'm not blowing smoke here your videos are actually my current addiction i just can't stop they look great they sound great and they're really well researched and they're really really funny as well um i've been recommending them to everyone that i speak to um and but like i kind of come away from them feeling like i've learned something as well that's always the aim, 
Thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say that. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they're kind of um, like with a lot of this stuff, you know, it's the kind of thing that you could show to someone who wasn't into weird shit and they would still find yeah. it interesting. Like it's got crossover appeal. Yeah. Like I find that some of the stuff in them videos, I could go to a party or social gathering and talk about the contents of them without being ostracized or mocked. This could be our key back into weirdo. normal society. <laughs> yeah, this could like, be it. You know, because like the stuff, stuff like like Montauk and 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 mm. uh, you know uh, MK Ultra and stuff like that. It actually happened. Well, right. MK Ultra did, but the Montauk. Yeah, thing... Montauk not so much. But <laughs> yeah, like, but um... I, I, I saw, so what I mean is, what actually happened was that the story was kind of written or the hoax was created. Like same with Alternate Three. Mm. Like I suppose what you're looking at is. The story behind the story. Yeah, it's like the story of the story is what's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um and I say I've said this quite a lot on like multiple different uh, places, but it's um it's like a form of folklore, right? Um how yeah. these stories get mm. created. They start with one person and then a lot of people build on them. And that's you know, um Montauk and Alternative Three are like perfect examples of that. Um, a couple of guys that start stories and then suddenly you've got something that's kind of blown up um, almost out of control. And if you don't know, I think the thing that, I've, or that I find like the motivating thing for me is trying to figure out where these things come from, the origins, the roots of it. Because when you can see where something comes from, you can easily kind of pick it apart or you can believe in it, right? I'm, and I again, I'm a skeptic, but I'm, I try and do skepticism in a way that's not like, I would never class myself as a debunker. I'm not really interested in like debunking people's beliefs. I'm more um, interested in, um, I, I guess I just find like where all these things come from and how people create these stories and how the stories take hold to be really fascinating. That's something that um that really kind of like drives my research and I've become kind of hyper fixated with it almost to a a, um, a detrimental level and it drives me crazy and I can't stop thinking about it and then then I end up writing a twenty five thousand word script on it and making a three hour documentary. So. <laughs> But there's lots of other people who find this fascinating as well, because your YouTube channel has nearly 30,000 subscribers and your video on the Montauk project has over 119,000 views. That's quite like offensively successful for, um, <laughs> for, for, for this is like a, a subject which is very, very niche. And yet you're pulling in those those kind of numbers, which is really, really impressive. Yeah, I do. I am. Um... I feel like I've got a tendency to be kind of like down on myself because sometimes the algorithm hates me. Um, but I feel like maybe trying to make it accessible um, is why it, it works uh, in, in ejecting humour into it as well, I feel like is important because you're dealing with a lot of like heavy subjects, right? And it, and then a lot of my stuff is very research dense. Like I have to, like you should have a look at my computer it's an absolute mess you know we're talking like massive 40 page research documents just for one 45 minute video you know like there's a lot and there's a lot that I leave out and 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 all of that kind of stuff um so it's trying to make these really like detail uh orientated stories all these different people how they all fit together how the stories build and then present it in a way that is uh manageable because take montauk for example you're talking about a series of 
I can't remember off the top of my head, I think there's like upwards of six books on Montauk. Um, and whenever people talk about Montauk, they only really talk about like the first first couple of books, first book really, like the first stuff. Um, they don't go into the whole kind of, you know, the guy that um, said he went to Mars to get Jesus's blood and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's like trying to take all of these things and um, present them in a way that uh, people can easily understand, I guess. With your the research and the the amount of research that you do um, is always really thorough and always really, as far as I can tell, really really accurate. Um, did you teach yourself to do this, or was it something that led on from another job or any training that you've had? Um, I did a master's degree in screenwriting, which is probably one of the most useless master's degrees you could probably. <laughs> um so but I guess that that maybe helped me a bit with like structure but in terms of like research no it was all I've always kind of been this way inclined I was very much into um and still am interested in conspiracies and um like politics and stuff like that and and have been like really involved in researching stuff personally for a long time pretty much all my life I would say or at least all of my adult life so it's more kind of um things that I've taught myself. What do you think attracted you to this sort of thing, the conspiracies and the supernatural weird stories? And the, the, yeah, the weird, the shit. weird yeah. shit. Um, I See, I always go back to blaming my dad for letting me have uh, like free reign of watching stuff as a kid. So I would watch X-Files, I'd watch you know, all the horror movies, um, just kind of being immersed in weirdness from a, from a young age. Um and yeah, that was that was I think the thing that was like really formative. And then in terms of like conspiracies and stuff, I got re- like post nine eleven. I got really into uh, lots of like you know like researching lots of different conspiracies and stuff like that. So I, I don't, I'm not sure. I just always have kind of been drawn to it. I think. I think it's one of them things where it always surprises me that people aren't into it because yeah. it's just so fascinating. It's like when you think exactly. about kind of. You know, even sort of within something like the X-Files, you've got like the conspiracy angle, you've got the aliens, you've got the cryptids, mm. and even even sort of, you know, different people can take different things from that. And, you know, some people can get really into UFOs or whatever, but you can also look at it from the point of view of, you know, it's a, it's a show about structures of kind of um, like levels of like deception definitely well I think the thing that interests me a lot about X-Files now as a show is is if you go back and watch it now especially with the research that I've done you realize how much of it came from deliberately seeded disinformation um put out by you know people like Rick Doty and um intelligence agencies in in the 80s it's where so much of the mythology of the X-Files comes from you know like the Majestic 12 and the EBEs and all of that kind of stuff it's wild like it and and that really kind of then pushed it into popular culture which then reached me as a kid and then I go on to have a, a big interest in UFOs and stuff like that I mean I used to be a big believer in a lot of this stuff believed you know the Bob Lazar story was really into stories of Roswell and um, all of that kind of stuff and really bought into a lot of it. And then it's only when you actually start looking into it that you go, hang on a minute, I don't even think uh, all of this is right. I don't think this is the truth. When did that moment come for you or how did you start to to do that sort of research that led you to become a sceptic? Um, 
I'm trying to think. It was probably reading, uh, probably reading Mirage Men, I would say. And obviously you've had Mark Pilkington um, on your show before. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the best books on ufology. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it, I, I can't really pinpoint where it started. Um, I just kind of became a bit more in, interested in trying to figure out where a lot of these stories, it's like, the, it's like what I said before, it's like the origins of these stories, where did they come from? Because um, I find the details fascinating. And I feel like because I've got a little bit of like a, like a little, a little bit of like a fancy myself as a private investigator, you know, like digging through, trying to like uncover the truth behind a story. That kind of sent me down the path. And did you find, was the process easy for you to switch your viewpoint or did you find any resistance within yourself when you were thinking that? Or uh, do you find it even more fascinating now that you're doing these investigations? E- e- super easy. Um, because I feel like I, I, I was never really dogmatic about it. And I try not to have like dogmatism in my, I mean, I've got my own personal beliefs on quite a lot of things and I've got my own opinions. Um, but I try not to be, um, try not to be dogmatic in a sense of like dismissing other people's experiences. And I feel like that's, that's another kind of differentiating factor. I, like I said, I wouldn't consider myself a debunker. Um, because I don't think that, you know, when it comes to like anomalous experiences, right? Uh, I don't think that everybody's lying. I don't think that a lot of people are making it up. I don't, I generally don't think that people are lying. And I think that in a lot of cases, the things that people um, express and talk about, it's real to them. So I'm not interested in kind of picking people apart and, you know, and unless they're deliberately frauding people in a way that is like dangerous and manipulative or you know something like that but if somebody you know say like abduction experiences for example there's part of me that believes that some of those are real I don't believe that they are alien abductions I think that there could be a lot of explanations for them um but I don't want to kind of dismiss um people out of hand and I feel like that's like I said, something that maybe differentiates uh, me from other sceptics. That's a good stance to take. I think it's like, from I mean, we've been doing this podcast and sort of actively looking into this stuff for sort of, what, like 18 months, just mm-hmm. over a year, something like that. And I found that my position has changed. Yeah. It changes, like I was saying to Hein earlier today that about my current position on uh on ufo related things and it's like <laughs> it, it will change i yeah. certainly don't believe i'm a big fan of mirage men i believe that a lot mm-hmm. of the things that people see in the sky are mm-hmm. military craft mm-hmm. yeah i, I just mm-hmm. think that that's like I, I think that there's probably but i do think there's something in people's experiences mm. and whether there's somehow something neurologically that's happening which is kind of almost inserting elements of like a modern folklore into mm. an experience that is, is almost like a religious experience that people can't understand. I don't know. But anyway, I guess what I'm saying is with something like ufology and things like that, you're, I think the healthiest position to have is one that moves. 
Definitely. Definitely. But it ha- again, it has to move with, with, with the evidence, right? So it's like a lot of people now are kind of very much um, behind people like David Grush, for example. And it's like, where's the evidence? There is, there is none. none. It's, it's all hearsay. It's it's all hearsay. It's I've heard it from somebody. Who has he heard it from? The same old people that have been selling UFO stories for the past decade yeah. or more. So it's um, I understand why people want to believe in in UFOs, like as a as a concept, you know, like alien life. Um, I don't personally think it exists. If it is proven to exist, my opinion will obviously change, right? But right now, I feel like um. I, I feel like you can explain what some people are seeing and experiencing in many different ways um, without debunking them and dismissing them out of hand and saying, oh, this person's crazy, this person's lying, they're making it all up. You know, that's where I kind of um, try not to stray, except for some cases where I think some people are lying and deliberately being manipulative and are probably making it up for nefarious reasons. And there's quite a few examples um, of people like that. actually recording this in uh, August 2023 so it's probably going to go out a couple of months later because we're, we're having a break so it, we're not long after the US Congress hearings mm. um, with with like we say Grush and and the other guy Ryan Graves and, um, and all of that yeah. yeah and it's like it's been insane like it's been a really <laughs> mad it really has but, been it's it, been yeah. wild it, in some ways it has, and in some ways it's been just so... Like, the, what's been wild about it has been almost like that kind of thing of just seeing Congress and seeing, like, you mm. know, AOC, and then, like, seeing, <laughs> yeah. seeing fucking uh, Nap, the George Knapp behind Nap it. Knapp yeah. <laughs> was there, like, it's yeah, mad. Yeah. And it's like, just seeing them in the same room, it's like, this. these two worlds don't go together. But, yeah. it, I mean, one of the things, I guess, like, all this that's happened in this past sort of, month or so with with all this what's your general take on it is it just that it's all bullshit because I I, I I yeah it seems to be really i think it's all i think it's all bullshit it's the same characters it's the same characters that have been pushing this story and grush is just a new iteration i've kind of followed it i wouldn't say like as closely as as some people obviously there's loads of people that are following it like really really closely um but from what I can see, it's just the same, the same character that's been hanging around with all of the same people. Almost, and I know that some people might take offence at, at this statement. Almost as if he's been groomed by the same group yeah. of people. The thing is that people really, really need to read Mirage Men mm. because because it's weird once you get down to these. Because when I first read the Grush interviews, you know, the News Nation stuff, mm-hmm. I thought, like, oh, some of this could be actually interesting, you know. I mean, I wasn't sort of taken in by it thinking it was 
aliens or whatever, but I thought yeah. this is going to be interesting. And then when you hear him at the congressional hearings, you can basically do a tick box exercise of yeah. the Mirage Men thing, you know, even to the point where I think there's a bit of Mirage Men in the book where they talk about um, how new recruits, you know, used to sort of be eating their lunch or something and they'd basically send people in to speak to them and feed them little bits of misinformation yeah. um you know j- just very very ambiguous bits and pieces that they could then sort of glom onto and you know th- almost like an experiment and this you kind of see that happening in the things that these people are saying you know and i think if people read mirage men they'd, they'd have a much more focused view of what was actually happening here Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, again, like going back to, I mean, obviously it goes way back to the whole beginning of this thing in the late 40s, but specifically looking at like 1980s ufology, and I think that's why I've kind of decided to take a closer look at it with like current videos. I'm not sure where I'll be at in, by the time this podcast comes out. Um, but looking at um, cases like uh, what happened to Paul Benowitz and all of the sowing of the UFO disinformation in the 1980s with Majestic 12 and stuff like that. And that's that's really kind of, even though it had obviously been around beforehand, like that's where this kind of idea of like a crash retrieval stuff with Roswell coming out um late very late 70s and into the 80s that story becoming popularized again um by people like bill moore stanton friedman um that's where you kind of have a lot of this like myth building that is then carried on to this day one of the like most glaring things to me is that um you've got like rick doty who essentially may not have created it himself but was involved in the disseminating the idea of uh, extraterrestrial biological entities which then obviously makes its way into the x-files and has now made its way to um david grush it's just like ufos are now uaps and ebe is now a non-human biologic it's the same stuff it's, and that's the th- I think the thing that really fascinates me about this is if if you go back and you try and trace the origin of it, you can really start picking it apart. Um, and the th- I guess the thing that's like really I'm gonna say sad but disheartening to watch is just how much this story has taken hold um, when there's really like nothing to it. Like there's yeah. no there's no evidence, of course. I don't know what David Grush says in in private, what what evidence he has in private that he supposedly can't share with everybody else. But I feel like if you're going to get it up in front of the in front of the entire world and tell people that um that we've had we've essentially got dead alien bodies, that you should be proving it somehow. I mean, that's one of the things that's so wild about this, isn't it? Is the fact that he's getting up and saying these things yeah. so publicly in front of millions and millions of people. You wonder what that means you know like is he just getting up and lying off his own back which seems really unlikely because mm. of the probable consequences of getting up and doing that yeah or is he being put up to it does he actually believe this or has someone basically said say this and you'll be all right sort of thing yeah. I, I just can't work it out and what do you think is really behind all this you know because we said that i mean it it seems like bullshit what's actually happening what's actually being said but what what is actually going on behind the scenes here is this is this to do with the um, industrial military complex and that kind of thing or i wish i knew deeper? the answer i wish i knew the answer because part of me says you know they don't need they don't need a, a story like this to drum up money but obviously a story like this works incredibly well um in their favor i honestly couldn't tell you i really couldn't tell you whether it's whether it's kind of this this push 
of um, between UFOs and religious belief, which also yeah. seems to be happening. You've got, you know, like people with, you know, like Diana Pasolka um, is a big proponent of that and the Chris Bledsoe's of the world and Chris, uh, you know, people like, um, you look at some of the intelligence officers that are claiming to have contact with non-human intelligence, like people like Anjali, for example, or John Ramirez, pushing this idea of... Um, almost well Diana Pasolka says it herself in an interview um that that her uh, guy from NASA that she used in her book American Cosmic Tim Taylor I think his name is um said that in the hierarchy of beings it's something like it's god uh, angels non-human intelligence intelligent factions of the intelligence community and then us you know just us regular regular humans <laughs> I don't understand how people can listen to that and not feel slightly disturbed that, you know, you've got somebody who's claiming that the intelligence community are almost at a level above human. You know, that becomes quite disturbing. Yeah, yeah. And I, this whole thing about the church as well, you know, mm. well, I say the church is in religion mm. rather than pointing the finger at any particular denomination or whatever yeah. but i've heard this a lot recently from a lot of different people who are all sort of noticing the same things you yeah. know the same tweets from certain people pushing a certain agenda uh, and whether it's you know i mean you know like like one idea i heard was that it was um like an idea for catholicism to be able to kind of gain a bit of control again by claiming the disclosure zealots um as as their own you know mm. and welcoming welcoming them into the fold and that kind of thing um which seems kind of far-fetched but at the same time the way that the disclosure th movement is going is 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 really weird and quite disturbing to watch when you see it play out on twitter i mean i'm always fascinated oh, yeah. to see it but the the i mean the way people were crying after the congressional hearings yeah when there was literally nothing said during those congressional hearings it's it, it's absolutely. I mean, this is this is like religious fervor that we're yeah. seeing. Yeah, I was going to say like we're we're almost in like a privileged position to be watching the creation of a religion or, or like the the early days of a religion. You know. Um, see, I would, I would see. This is where I have a bit of a because although I agree and I do agree because it, it is really taking like a a, a real kind of religious. Um, push, push or slant you know what I mean anyway yeah, yeah. it's always had that and again this yeah. is this is something that I'll probably dig into at some point on on my channel but the links between like all of the old UFO contactees from the 50s right 50s and 60s and their links to um, the Theosophical Society and the groups like um, the I Am movement, which is Guy yeah. Ned the Ballad, all of that kind of stuff. It, it's been, it, it really, since its birth has had a religious slant to it. And I think it's, I think maybe it's more prominent now in because of social media, you get to see it a lot more. Um, again, like there's other people that are saying like, oh, UFO disclosure is becoming like QAnon. It's always been like that, it, it, you know, like 1980s ufology, perfect example, you know, with all the like the John Lear coming out and Bill Cooper and I've got a top secret Q clearance and I'm going to tell you I've, I'm a secret whistleblower and I've got the truth and listen to me, I'm not going to steer you wrong. Like it's, it's, it really is just like the, um, it's just like the reiteration of, of the same stuff. <laughs> the interesting thing is that with 
say like the I Am movement, you had mm. Guy and Edna Ballard, mm. uh, and with QAnon, you had Q. Yeah. Um, so it makes you wonder with the disclosure, there, there isn't one single figurehead or there doesn't seem to be, or there isn't an obvious one no. um, that, that could be followed like a cult leader or or something like that. And, and that makes it kind of more interesting because it's almost as if it's uh, like a cult forming, which is up for grabs. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess so. It's, I, I feel like it's more... Uh, there's definitely um, sort of figureheads for, for this this kind of wave of disclosure. You know, you've got like your Lou Elizondo's, you've got um, Christopher Mellon... Um, Tom De- Tom DeLong, which is um, which is great, you know. <laughs> um, you've got all, all manner that David Grush, Ross Coulthart, you know, all of the Jeremy Corbell. I'm just going to name names now, but you know, you've got you've got this kind of um, you know they, they've become like the they, well they kind of pushed themselves as the UF, ufological elite, right? You know, yeah. like they're they're the ones kind of really pushing this hard, and they're the ones that because the media love it as well, right? So as much as I um, put the blame on you know disinformation that's deliberately sown for for what what purpose you know you could talk about that forever but as soon as it's out there the media grabs hold of it because it's a salacious story it's like news nation you know they've become like the number one ufo um tv channel in america constantly pushing it what's the reason why well there could be many nefarious reasons why and i think it's probably worth looking into their funding and who is involved in it 100 percent but it's also um, views. People watch it. Yeah, it's salacious, and and it's also it's been like that since since the beginning. Again, like looking at thing, even things like cattle mutilations, for example. You know, when I was doing a lot of um, cattle mutilation research, especially um, for the original, the original, but like the the cattle mutilations that happened in Dulcie in the nineteen seventies going through all of the newspaper archives, it was the same journalist every time that would cover that would cover these and she would put out stories every single time and she gets kind of called out um, in a book about cattle mutilations where they basically just say like, this this one woman, she will not stop writing about cattle mutilations and she's pretty much responsible for pushing this whole story. Yeah, and when we had uh, Nathan Paul Isaac on from the Penny Royal podcast, he was talking about how some of his research had been into cattle mutilation and how the numbers had been inflated so that mm. it looked like there was a, like an epidemic of it across yeah. the United States when actually what had happened is, is, is uh, I think from, from what I've looked into it, was that people were basically saying, ah, oh, there's been five mutilations within this area so multiply that area yes, across yes. and then and th- therefore you inflate the numbers yeah by orders of magnitude and the guy that the guy that did that was a guy called howard burgess i'm pretty certain it was him because he's re- they they write about it in this book mute evidence um which is a really good book it's quite a debunky book and i don't think it covers everything about cattle mutilations um, I wouldn't. I'd say maybe temper it with something that's a little bit, you know, more on the uh, paranoid scale because this is a little bit debunky. But um, but yeah, he was like a massive uh, pusher of the um, cattle mutilations in Dulcie as as being like something to do with aliens or a top secret government conspiracy, one of the two. Um, but he was. I'm pretty certain he was the guy that came up with that. Uh, way of like multiplying stuff yeah yeah it's crazy because we've seen this the way that the media can inflate things like that and we've seen the way that the cia and the navy and other three-letter agencies and and that kind of thing 
they've lied to us over and over again and it's mm-hmm. been well documented mm-hmm. you know i mean not just it, within their own records you know when you look at things like mk yeah, ultra and exactly. that kind of thing as well as within you know pro- well-researched books like mirage men and that kind mm-hmm. of thing and yet people still believe them yeah you know, people are still completely credulous in this sort of thing i don't know what it is about you know, why people will continue to believe without questioning it's it's very it's very strange in the ufo world because like you said like you've got these people that claim okay there's been a massive government cover-up of of ufos and that could well be the case right but if you believe in that why would you then believe that a a supposedly former counterintelligence officer from from the army is telling you the truth or you know why would you believe that somebody that worked for the cia involved in counterintelligence is telling you the truth that those two things don't compute with me it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense no i mean it's that it's that um it's like a paradox isn't it Mm. it's like the 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 government are hiding something from us mm. and also the government are telling us the truth. And they may well be. They may well and the thing is I wouldn't put it I although I don't I don't I would I would say as of right now, I don't believe in I don't believe that aliens I, I believe that there's probably aliens that exist out there. I don't really buy into other theories of aliens like existing on um, different planes of consciousness or anything like that personally although again I'm not going to discount it sorry discount it completely out of hand Um, but I also don't trust um, three-letter agencies military intelligence to tell the truth so you know I just it, it, it then baffles me why You've got people, and there's a lot. There are a lot of skeptical people in ufology, but it feels like at the moment, you know, there's this really big push to kind of stand with people like David Grush, who, you know, I, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute in my brain, really. The way that people leap to defend him is so weird. Yeah, it feels like it's a lot like wishful thinking, isn't it? Like hero I think, worship, I think we, as yeah. well. And, and there's an element. There, there is an element there of. Um, there's this kind of uh, like a like a kind of hero worship, um, you know. Oh, he's a he's been a brave soldier, and therefore, you know, we must all kind of fall at his feet. There's a lot of that going on, um, you know. Like, so working that into um, what you think about it as well is is kind of important because I feel like people are kind of very it can be very easily blindsided by uh, patriotism, right? Like a kind of blind patriotism, like oh, you know, he served in Afghanistan, therefore we need to kind of fall at his feet, and you know he's a brave soldier X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and there was this recent thing, recent to the time of recording, um, where. There was a lot of people saying that his medical records had been illegally oh, leaked. And then when you just do it, like even a superficial amount of research, it turns out that it was actually public records yeah. of arrest and that kind oh, of thing yeah. that had been obtained through legitimate means by Freedom of Information Act requests yes. and that kind of thing. And yet people still say, you put out this information that he's been somehow brought down by mm. nefarious means when it's, it seems like they're almost trying to convince themselves you know that they're not even necessarily doubting what the reports say or, or mm. what the arrest reports were saying they're more saying well well these have obviously been leaked to try to discredit him yeah it, it's it's very strange as well because i, I you can Again, and I got blocked by Sean Cahill on Twitter for asking him why he um, 
why he decided to call the reporter from The Intercept a domestic terrorist for reporting on Freedom <laughs> oh, yeah. of Information Act um, <laughs> requested information, which is baffling, baffling to me. You know, you can not like something as much as you want and you're free to criticise it. And, you know, thinking you know, the ethics of it, was it kind of slanderous? Was it a little bit biased? Yeah, it may well have been. And you people are well within their rights to criticise that and be angry about it. But you can't call it counter-terrorism to report on, on a freedom of information request. It's very... Domestic terrorism is not that. No. <laughs> When you think about all of these sorts of stories or or, or myths or hoaxes or the, the, all these areas in which you look at, okay, you know, leading going going back to things like Dulcie Base, Montauk, mm-hmm. Alternative Three, all the way up to you know, like I say, the the, the what we've just been discussing with the mm-hmm. the um, this disclosure stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is that? Do you think that that what do you think it is that makes it so popular? Do you think that it's almost as if the human mind needs to be told these stories or something? I think um, they get popular because they take little pieces of truth. Um, they build yeah. stories on things that are true. And I also, I think that they gain popularity because people don't trust, um, I say like the government, I hate saying like the government because it's so broad, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean when I say yeah, the government. The man, you know, yeah. yeah, the man. You know, people don't trust, you know, the CIA for very good reason. And something like Montauk is built on um, stories of mind control and trying to create super soldiers. And we know that those things existed, right? Yeah. Like they they were doing that. And some of the most horrific things that you've heard about, and that's a tiny fraction of, of what was really going on because we don't know the majority of it because they ended up burning, um, you know, half of the files on stuff like uh, MKUltra and yeah. you know, papers on like mind control and stuff like that. Um, but we know that they were trying to create super soldiers, right? A perfect, you know, a perfect uh, soldier, you know, like things like the First Earth Battalion and things like that. That's what Montauk's built on. It's built on those kind of stories. Uh, it's built on a lot of other stuff as well, you know, like occult a, a things. And it's also built on previous hoaxes like the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. But it's got that little bit of truth that it builds on, right? So if you are distrusting, as most people are nowadays, again, for good reason, and I feel like there's this real kind of, especially in sceptical communities, which I really don't like at all, this really kind of dismissive attitude of of you're just a conspiracy theorist or you're stupid because you believe in this. And I, I really, like, it, I find it really dismissive. It annoys me. And I feel like there's not enough um, people that are sceptical that are, that can also say like, yeah, that this is these are the reasons why people don't trust. These are the reasons why people kind of, you know, get into conspiracy theories because a lot of them are true. A lot yeah. of them turn yeah. out to be true, right? Is there, is there a, a, any particular conspiracy, well-known conspiracy theories that you think are just pretty much true? 
Oh, loads of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably surprise you. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure how much you want me to say. Well, give us one. Um, you can I've always edit it out. <laughs> I've got a lot of questions about um, September 11th, for example. Um, yeah. I'm not somebody that that believes um, that there were no hijackers or that um, there were drones flown into buildings, but I think there are a lot of questions about who knew what, who stood to gain, um, were things allowed to happen or, or purposefully orchestrated, um, it, you know. Yeah. yeah. There's I a lot of questions. Reasonable yeah. stance to take. To be yeah, and I, that's one. That's a topic that I've been um, very much interested in for a long time, like years and years. I used to be way more involved in it than than I am now. Um, kind of took a back seat. But there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of different um, conspiracy theories that I people again would say, "Oh, you're just a you know crazy conspiracy theorist." Um, but you know, I feel like when you start when you start looking into things, you can't. Um, there's a lot of things that you can't just brush away. Yeah. When we talked to Sequoia Kennedy about, we were kind of trying to get to the bottom of whether there is a single truth, you know, like whether truth exists as one sort of platonic ideal. Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure. I've got a lot of thoughts about this that I can't really get into a question, but I'm just going to try and talk <laughs> and see if you can make a question out of it. Go on, let's because, see. Let's like, see. It's really yeah. Because where is all this going to go, you know, because... We're in a world that's now kind of called by some people a post-truth world, especially mm. after uh, Trump, where it became apparent that fake news and misinformation thrives, not necessarily because people are stupid or kind of lack the faculties of critical thinking. Although, obviously, it's been proven that many people do and many more mm. people are too lazy to use any such existing faculties. But it seems to thrive because people apparently want to be granted permission to believe whatever the fuck they want to with impunity. Almost to the point where they feel as though whatever they believe actually is the truth for kind of no other reason than they believe it. And and there has been like some kickback to this position since it was at its worst, which I think mm. was at the end of the last decade. And um, so sort of Trump obviously lost to Biden in 2020 and there's been criminal cases and indictments brought against him. Um, and it does look as though something may stick at this point. And Boris has been forced out of Parliament earlier this year, even though he was still saying that he hadn't done the things that all available evidence suggests that he has done. But these two examples just feel like the work of a kind of capricious populace rather than a global wave of humanity suddenly coming to its senses so i i suppose what i'm getting at is eventually in this world of like uh, deep fakes uh, intensive curation and arrangement and editing of everyday life through social media reality tv and a biased mainstream media and where capitalism is kind of king and truth is a commodity which is now like a product which can be manufactured by those who can afford to mass produce it and package it up and sell it at a premium to those who can't afford all the facts or are at least too exhausted or, or weak or disillusioned to care about the facts do we kind of get to a point where like the actual truth doesn't really exist or just isn't relevant anymore or, or is that kind of like underestimating people there's a lot there was a lot there so let me, <laughs> um, welcome to my world emily <laughs> um okay how would i how would i go about answering this i'm trying to think 
I think there is a, a un, well, maybe not a universal truth, but there is definitely truth. And I feel like a, a lot of people, um, I don't like to use the words like fall for stuff like that. Like you, you mentioned Trump, for example. Um, you know, pe- why do people vote for Donald Trump? Well, because he promises something better. Why would you want something better? Well, because everything's kind of shitty. Mm. And it's really, um, it's very easy to fall for that kind of propaganda when you're being sold a simple answer, right? You're, you know, somebody's pointing the finger over there and saying, that's the cause of all of your issues. Look over there. And we're almost, you know, they get us to point at each other. We're never pointing upwards, really, are we? Like, we're mm. never pointing at the people that are actually in control. And I don't mean a mythical Illuminati-esque figure. I just mean capitalists. Um, We're never kind of, you know, they don't direct our attention upwards. And again, like, I would even say um, people like, to me... We're getting into politics now. What have you done? You're going, you're going into politics. People hate it when I talk about politics. Um, Not here. <laughs> but, but again, like take this country for take our country for example. Um, I don't really, and some people will disagree with me. I don't see any real difference between a, a Boris Johnson esque figure and a Keir Starmer figure mm. in this country at all. I agree we don't that. have we don't have we don't have um, any form of of opposition, right? Um, so I'm trying to think of like a, a way to like concisely address the point. Um, I guess yep. I would just say that like, I feel like you've got to factor in a lot of people's like material conditions in this because I feel like it's very easy to have a a more kind of... Um, you know, it, like you know, thinking about it, is is there one you know universal truth, and why do people fall for? I don't like, even though I don't like that term, like fall fall for this kind of stuff. A lot of it is to do with people's everyday conditions, right, yeah. and their lives. Yeah. And the and a lot of this stuff can become really, really appealing when your life is is not how you want it to be. You've got no money. You work a about a shitty job where you see that your your boss is is earning billions and you're earning £10.50 an hour, right? Things don't seem very fair. Things aren't very fair. Um, so a lot of these kind of stories, again, do work as a form of escapism, but they, again, I have a part of me that wonders how much of that escapism is engineered. Because if you can distract people with things like UFO disclosure and um, the Montauk project or any, any number of these different con- conspiracies which may or may not have grains of truth to them um, you're distracting a lot of people and you're keeping them from kind of in a way uh, directing their attention where it needs to be organising to direct attention where it needs to be and you're also um, a lot of this is designed I feel to dismiss conspiracy theories as crackpot fringe don't listen to these people it's like that whole kind of hillary clinton thing you know like these are just a basket full of deplorables they just they just believe in x y and z thing just just ignore them these are not people that we want to associate ourselves with and i feel like that it not only like really like denigrates the people who believe in a lot of different conspiracies for all manner of different reasons um I feel like it's really dismissive and, uh, again, almost 
by design in a lot of ways. Also, if you can kind of correlate a belief in conspiracy theories to, um, you know, like being anti-Semitic or being uh, a right-wing extremist, like that is really helpful for uh, some people that don't want you looking into conspiracy theories because you can dismiss the whole thing out of hand. You can say, if you believe in X, Y, and Z conspiracy theory, then you're anti... And that's not to say that there's not anti-Semitic conspiracy theories there obviously are but there's a whole kind of push especially after things like QAnon um, to kind of conflate belief in conspiracy theories with a form of extremism um, which I find to be quite disturbing. I think you're right I think there's a lot of important um, points that you made there and one of them I think is also you know again that I need to kind of look at my privilege on this as well, you know, being a kind of middle-class, middle-aged white guy, you know, in, in a relatively affluent part of the world. I think there's people who are in really bad situations, who are desperate, yeah. who, who really want to cling on. And if someone says that they will save them from that, then there's then that could be their last shot. That could be the thing that they need to hang on to, to be able to get them through the day. Yeah. I mean, do you not think, I, I, I sort of, See, there's a big similarity in the two things that you described there, just like with cults, um, you know, with like a, a cult leader and their followers and sort of, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, there is. There, there is. Like, I know you can definitely see that in a lot of the people that pedal, um, pedal stuff. But I also think it's important to kind of, again, like I don't, I don't think that there's a one there's a one answer to this. Um, I feel like a lot of people, no. again, like... Mm. It, it's the the whole topic of conspiracy theories, especially post QAnon, has become like this real minefield where where conspiracy theory and being a conspiracy theorist has become this bad thing. And like I've said, you you get conflated with being an Alex Jones type figure. And again, people may say I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I will wear the label proudly. I wonder how much of that is by design because, again, like I said, like if you can denigrate and kind of dismiss a whole subsection of people that are researchers, that actively look into things, that question authority in that way, um, it works really useful. It works really useful? It is really useful for um, people that want to cover up conspiracies, right? Because you, you get to dismiss dismiss them. But yes, I would also say that on the other hand, you know, like people like Alex Jones, the David Icke's of the world, they do prey on people, much in the way that like a cult leader preys on people. I think, you know, you, there's so much, you don't, a lot of people don't take into consideration the material conditions of people that join um, those kind of religious organisations. Um, that's a massive factor in it. It's not, you know, some people say like everybody that joins is an idiot or blah, 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 blah. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. I just think that there's a lot of, it, it's a lot of like trauma and things that have happened in your life and, and where your life is at that draws people to this. And of course, didn't the phrase conspiracy theory, wasn't that like invented in order to do exactly what you said? Yeah, I think it had so something to do. Yeah, it was like... yeah. JFK or something like that. I think I feel like the origins of it go back go back much further than that. But I, I yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm entirely sure. But I have heard, I have heard that. And obviously, um, I'm not an expert on JFK. But I, I will say that anybody that believes the official story of that um, probably 
probably could could stand to do some um, some further research. We'll probably just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you have me on thinking I was this massive skeptic. She's a debunker. I'm telling you, I'm really not. Like I, I really am open to so much stuff. I just don't believe in, in aliens coming down. You know, like that's. <laughs> Have you ever had any weird experiences of your own? I've seen it. I saw an unidentified flying object over Area 51 of all places, Um, but it was military craft, so it definitely wasn't it. That was probably my... trying to think. Have I had any other weird experiences? I don't think so. Not that I can remember. Any ghosts or... No, I know a lot of people that that claim to have had ghost experiences. I, I... you know associate with some of the some of the strangest people you ever meet in your life but you know sadly sadly none of it ever happens to me <laughs> what do you think about things that that we, we've seen some evidence for like the project stargate and the remote viewing and all that kind of thing do you think there's any truth in that um oh, oh god this is a minefield <laughs> um i think that they believe in it yeah and I, and that's how I feel about a lot of stuff, especially when going into again like this. I'm going a little bit off topic now, but when you get into things like occult beliefs and stuff like that, I think the people that believe in it believe in it. I don't necessarily believe in it. I don't think that from what I have seen, I don't really believe that remote viewing is 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 possible, but. It could well be. Who am I to say? You can tell I'm too scared to take a position on it. On this, right? I'm too, I'm too scared to be definitive about it. Okay, somebody like messages me and goes, "I can't believe that you were on that podcast and you said remote viewing wasn't real." I'll just say I don't personally believe in it, but I believe that the people involved in it believe in it, and in a lot of ways, maybe that makes it real. One of the things that I've noticed you seem to be interested in, if I look at sort of the totality of what you've done, is often the people's reactions to these things rather than the things themselves. So it's almost as if you're more interested in people's responses and then the myth building around these incidents or whatever, as opposed to the, the, the almost the thing itself or the story itself. And it... Do you have any kind of particular interest in almost like psychology or sort of things like that, like the, the way people's brains work? Is, it, is that an angle that, you, that kind of interests you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't say so much, you know, like, like you know, technical psychology or anything like that, but yeah. more kind of, you know, like, yeah, the, the, the human element of it and how it yeah. then impacts people's lives. Because it does like massively a lot of a lot of these stories, um, you know, and a lot of the ones that I've covered on my YouTube channel, they do 
massively affect people's lives. So take things like the Secret Space Program, for example, um, that it has become a real massive subculture. A lot of people won't be aware of it. Um, it kind of operates well outside of the mainstream. But for a lot of people, that it's their entire life. It's built on, again, some nuggets of truth. And I don't ever want to come out and say that I don't think that there's uh, no there's no secret space program or, you know, there's not things that we don't know. I'm sure that there are. But the idea of a secret space program that is propagated by a lot of these characters I don't think is real, right? But it is for so many of these people and they believe it and it becomes their entire life and they hang out with all the same people and they all believe in the same things, right? And um, it, it, in a lot of ways, and I tried to kind of hint at this towards the end of um, my documentary on Alternative 3, it's... Um, uh, <sighs> It, it not it doesn't like improve people's lives right because it sends them down a rabbit hole that I think is very dangerous and it also keeps people distracted um, and all that kind of stuff but there is like an element of community involved in it and you, you'll find that a lot of the people involved in it have been through some really rough stuff and inside a lot of these communities they find people that they can you know hang out with talk to and, and all that kind of stuff so from that perspective um you know you talk about like escapism escapism from the banality of life and escapism from again like your material conditions because if you can imagine yourself as a super soldier right you're you know, superhuman abilities and you've been off to Mars and you've been there for 20 years and you've been fighting reptilians and doing all sorts, sorts of stuff. Like, that's a lot more interesting than I have to go to work, my nine-to-five job, I get paid barely anything, I can't afford my rent, food prices are insane, you know, day-to-day -day life can be really bleak for for loads of people majority of people um so i don't blame a lot of people for uh getting involved in this kind of stuff and like buying into it um because it is it can be really appealing right it's like it's you get to you're almost like playing a game yeah like it's it's almost it almost becomes like an arg or something doesn't it yeah do you ever worry about the consequences of uh your what you do in terms of like the, the videos and things and, and do you ever worry that someone will uh like play some kind of hoax on you or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> i i almost wish that somebody would i think it'd be hilarious i feel like i could discern i could maybe discern it pretty well um you know somebody started blowing up my emails with a bunch of weird things i think i'll probably <laughs> just find it well people do anyway um, but I think I'll probably just find it funny. I think I think in terms of like the things that I worry about, I worry that I don't I, I don't want to come across like insensitive to people, um, because like my you know even some people I don't care about coming off insensitive. You know people that I think are, are genuinely harmful and are you know doing things nefariously you know people like the Corey Goods of the world and the David Wilcox of the world I really couldn't care less about them but you know I, I don't want to be um I, I try and handle things with a bit of uh care and empathy and try not to be exploitative but some you know, when you're talking about these kind of things that involve people that 
you know, have, have got all kinds of things going on, sometimes it can be really difficult to, you know, you're straddling like a thin line with what you, um, with what you cover. I do think you do a good job of that. I think that the empathy really does come across and I, I find it quite, your, I find your videos quite a comforting watch and quite a comforting oh, listen, you. you know, and um, I, I don't feel at all that you are, uh, you know, dismissing other people's views or beliefs. I think it's more of a, you know, here are the facts. And it's quite, I mean, there's you doing that. There's there's people like Mark Pilkington doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, What do you think it would take to be able to... What do you think it's going to take to change people's minds, I suppose, is is what I'm thinking. Because the, the, these things like your videos and Mirage Men, they're out there for people to f- find if, they, if they're looking. But people, a lot of people seem happy not to look. Yeah, I think, um, I feel like one of the most important things is like not to, I, this is why I really don't like the word debunker or people that just set out to debunk. Because I feel like that can end up pushing people further further into set beliefs i try and approach it um with healthy skepticism but with without dogmatism right so i feel like when you start to get really dogmatic about um stuff so if i if i'm on there saying this is all bullshit don't believe it and you're an idiot for believing this and this is why that can be a really off-putting approach right to people like you can really kind of like get people's backs up i feel like um i feel like you just got to you know keep at it and hope that people find it and and I've had quite a lot of especially on like some of the videos that I've done about like you know the the new like some of the um figures like in the new age movement and stuff like that I've had quite a lot of comments that people are like oh you've like these videos kind of helped me um unpack a lot of things from my childhood and a lot of the beliefs that I was brought up with and things like that and you know again like trying to make things as accessible as possible and I think like video is a really good format for that um it it, you know video and audio especially are are really like useful um ways of getting um you know getting different bits of information out there um and just trying to do it in like a more kind of concise and and entertaining like it's got to be entertaining because otherwise what's the point nobody's going to want to listen to it nobody's going to want to watch it if it's not entertaining is that one of when you started out doing these videos? Was that actually one of your intentions? Did you actually think, do you know what? I'm going to make these videos, and they are going to help people. They are going to there are going to be people who think, oh, that explains something that happened to me as a child, or they're going to think, oh, that you know, this is going to change my belief about something or whatever. Did did you go to it with the intention of sort of changing no. minds, or did you just think I'm going to do this for? for it was it was just for me really because I find it interesting I thought well how can I how can I take this research that I'd be doing anyway and kind of package it up and make it accessible for other people right I didn't go into it thinking oh these are these are specifically going to help people I went into it thinking um I enjoy doing this and I, I hopefully some other people would enjoy watching it. Yeah, yeah. That's a common mindset that almost like what we had when we started. We didn't yeah. know whether you know, whether it would touch anyone else, but we wanted to, we were, we would be doing this stuff anyway. We'd probably be having very similar conversations between me and Buckley anyway. Just alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and, love and it, it made sense to put it out. With the, you said that you're not sort of worried too much about other people's 
intentions towards you once they've watched your videos but do you ever worry that like when you're looking into any of this stuff that you might suddenly just go native or there might be something that you get sucked <laughs> into a rabbit hole on or anything like that oh that happens to me all the time well no i don't i don't i don't end up believing in it but i i do end up falling down some pretty wild um wild rabbit holes i feel like the the only thing the only thing that the only thing that becomes like a real issue in in stuff like this, and I'll be honest, is like being a woman in this sphere. And I don't mean to make it like, you know, a big thing like, oh, woe is me. But the amount of creeps that you get, like, you know, like weird DMs, strange comments, just like really, you know, like kind of creepy stuff. And you, are, you know, you ask any other woman in this kind of world i'm sure that they've experienced it well i ask any women in life in the anywhere. world yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and it gets really frustrating and it's to a point where i've almost i've almost pretty much taken myself out of my videos because i'm sick to death of it like really? <laughs> yeah. yeah i feel like this sort of shit should should be brought to the fore because it's like yeah. It is. It is something that needs yeah. to stop because oh, it's I had like a twenty twenty three. I know. I had a brilliant one the other day that was. Um, it was something to do with the UFO disclosure, and it, it was. It was about uh, the hearings at, in Congress, and someone had posted up. I think it was Mick West had posted up a picture saying, like, you know, it's all men basically, and someone had replied to it saying, um, "What did they say? They said, well." Of course, men would be interested in UFOs because men are actually more interested in things and women are only interested in people. <laughs> and it was like the most hilarious, <laughs> hilarious thing. It's ridiculous. It's like utterly ridiculous. It was like, why would you even post that? I think yes. I retweet. I think I like retweeted it. I was like, yeah, yeah. Too, I'm not interested in UFOs because famously I'm a woman, so therefore I'm only interested <laughs> in people. And UFOs are things. It's ridiculous. But are they things? We don't know. <laughs> this we don't is know. It. This is there, well. And there are, you know, there's a human element involved as well. You know, he could have been onto something, couldn't he? he couldn't have been yeah, cooking yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> God. We usually ask our guests to recommend your books or movies or documentaries or TV shows or just music or podcasts that relate to what we've talked about or, you know, maybe something that would relate to your YouTube channel. Do you have any recommendations that you think people should really pick up and read? Oh, absolutely. Um, Books-wise, obviously, it would be um, Mirage Men. I really like um, Jack Brewer's work. He wrote them, The Greys Have Been Framed trying to think of other books um i think sources spooks and kooks by adam go rightly is a really good book especially um using it as jumping off point in research um uh tana boyle who writes a Substack called getting spooked um which is brilliant and it's all about um 
parapolitics and the paranormal and ufology which I would highly recommend. Um, Expanding Frontiers, the YouTube channel, um, they Erica Lukes and Jack Brewer, they have a lot of people on. I would recommend Martin Cannon's The Controllers, um, even though he doesn't like it anymore. I still like it and I will continue, I will die on that hill um, that he was on to something. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Probably given you quite a lot. Uh, Stephen Cambian's Truth Seekers, I'm a fan of, even though I know he's not for everyone. He can be quite abrasive, but I think he's great. Um, and I think, yeah, that's I've probably missed missed a lot, but I think that's probably Excellent. that's like that's my a really top good list. Selection. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> where, where can people find Emily Louise? So you've got your YouTube channel. Yes, I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me Weird Reads, uh, Weird Reads Emily on Twitter, um, Weird Reads Emily Reads on YouTube, and I'm on Patreon. Um, and yeah, just just floating around, floating around in the ether. Excellent. What kind of stuff do you do on your Patreon? Um, it's more kind of like early access kind of stuff like that. But I am starting like a trying to start an audio only thing over there. There's just like shorter stories, little like weird stories, that kind of thing. Excellent. We'll link to all that in the show notes. And if anyone out there wants to find any more vase, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at vase, then vase spelt backwards. So that's at V-A-Y-S-E-E-S-Y-A-V. And you can find us on our website. That's www.vase.co.uk. Obviously, you can get the podcast on all the usual podcast platforms. But at the website, we have the full show notes, which we work very hard on. And Keith helps us work very hard on that as well. Thank Um, you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. You can um, email us if you want to talk about anything we've mentioned on the show or if you want to tell us any of your own experiences or tip us off to any weird stuff that's going on. That's faceinfo at gmail.com. You can get the soundtrack to the show made by our very own Stephen James Buckley under the name Polypores at Bandcamp. And um, Buckley kindly puts any money that we make from that back into the podcast so it's really really useful way to support us um but if you've got any spare cash and you do feel like supporting us we also have a ko-fi have you got a ko-fi emily i do yeah yeah so emily's got one as well (laughs) is it it pronounced ko-fi or coffee i say ko-fi i think ko-fi sounds cooler doesn't it yeah Yeah. i'm gonna go with what emily says she's usually right i think it's i think it's i think it's coffee but i'm gonna say ko-fi it sounds more sci-fi coffee's a different coffee's a different matter very yeah, true. Yeah, we need to keep coffee separate. Keep coffee <laughs> yeah. sacred. Yeah, exactly. Keep coffee sacred. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and if people get a monthly subscription to our Ko-Fi, they get access to our Discord, which is a really nice place to be. Just before you go, got one last question for you, Emily, right? You and Rick Doty, <laughs> who, who would win in a fight? Do you think you could take him? Oh, Absolutely. I would absolutely take him. He he really doesn't. He, I don't think he likes me very much. I interviewed him. Um, you interviewed about, Doty? Yeah, a couple oh, of months wow. ago. Yeah. And did yeah. you what was did you like? fight him? No, I did. I did. I wish I had. Didn't fight him through the screen. And he was. He's an interesting character. I don't really see. You know, like some people talk about him, like he's like you know charismatic. You know, they're like Riz, Riz King Doty. He's really not. Like he's just. He's a, he's an interesting character. He spins a good yarn. He told me that I would never make it in the world of intelligence, which I take as a um, as a as a as a badge a of honor. Yeah, I take it as a badge of honor. I was like, yeah, absolutely, that's be a can't, can't think of anything I would least rather do. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I think I could take him. Do you think yeah. Doty would fight Dirty? Um, <laughs> I I think that he would be a bit of a hair puller. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, absolutely. He's, uh, f- in Doty. <laughs> 
serious. Don't serious, don't he? We didn't. Oh, he won't see. He won't see anybody. He's he's just yeah. He's a strange strange character. But again, he. I feel like he becomes this kind of. Um, He's like this kind of pariah, right? He's like this kind of like yeah. def- looming figure over the world of ufology. And again, I wonder, like, you know, is, is it again? Is it again supposed to be like that? So we all just look at one person instead of looking at other people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 